0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Are you an entrepreneur architect based in Europe, the Middle East, or Africa? If so, listen up. Earlier this week, we launched the new Entre Architect Academy small group mastermind just for you. The EMEA Mastermind is a powerful weekly discussion group limited to 10 members and facilitated by Katie Cropot, founder of designeffects.com and based in London. To learn more, visit entrearchitect.com EMEA. If you want to join, don't delay. Enrollment for this group will close when we reach our capacity of 10 members. So go now, entrearchitect.com EMEA. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 180. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference. This podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This episode of Entre Architect podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, BQE Software, and RCAP. And I'm going to share a little bit more about these great companies later in the show, but before we get started here, take a quick note to schedule some time later this week to visit each one of them. Go check them out and let them know that you appreciate them supporting us, the Entree Architect community. Rick Abramson, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great having you here. You were recently uh, one of our expert speakers at Entree Architect Academy. So thank you for doing that. Um, that was a very interesting uh, training session on, on how to present yourself as a small firm architect in public. Uh, and it was uh, some great information. So Entree Architect Academy members have access to that. Um, but uh, thank you very much for spending some time with us there and for coming back here to the podcast.
1: I'm looking forward to the conversation, thank you.
0: Uh, let me introduce you a little bit to our listeners. In in professional practice as a licensed practitioner for 28 years, Rick established his small firm, Workplace Studio Architecture in 2003. He's taught for over 18 years on the faculty of SciArc and USC Ar- uh, School of Architecture. He's been invited as a keynote speaker at the Big Ideas Alliance for Innovation and Structures for Inclusion national conferences and has produced educational workshops and seminars at national AIA conventions in San Diego, Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and recently in Orlando with me. We actually were on stage together and presented, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, he's also a small firm advocate. Rick has spearheaded uh new, AI, um, new California legislation signed into law by governor Brown that protects the architects creative work. So he's an advocate for us, small firms and architecture, uh, at large, so and thank you for your service there as well Rick
1: my pleasure it's uh, it's always uh important to be thinking how we can uh, make things better as small firm architects. We need to work together
0: i agree i agree so so let's let's get into your story a little bit um, let's talk about your origin story. Go back to where you discovered architecture and what ins- and, and uh, what inspired you to become an architect. Whenever that was, it might have been a long time ago when you were a child, or it may have been more recently. Go back to that point where you discovered it and where you where you uh, uh, were inspired to become an architect, and share your journey, your origin story from that point to where you find yourself today.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I guess my origin story would be more of a uh, an organic process that wasn't so much uh, an epiphany where I woke up one day and thought, gee, I want to be an architect. Uh, it certainly wasn't something as a child where I, you know, knew that's what I wanted to do was build things. But I think fundamentally when I look back, I was always a maker of some sort. I always enjoyed doing things with my hands um, on the creative side, whether it be uh, ceramics or metalworking, or I remember even taking a class in puppet making, um, but always, always exploring with my hands. And I think, where it finally came to a head was in high school, where one day I got summons to the office, and the counselor wanted to talk to me. I thought I was in trouble. He sat <laughs> me down and says, "What are you going to do with the rest of your life?" And I wasn't ready for that question. But um, you know, I said, "Well, I'm not sure." And he said, "Well, what you know, what kind of classes are you were taking?" And at the time, I think I was taking uh, trigonometry and uh, uh, advertising design and um, just finished a ceramics class, and he's like, hmm, math and art, he goes, why don't you be an architect? Well, think about it. Uh, next thing I knew, I'd applied to to university, a couple of programs in the School of Architecture, and honestly really didn't know a lot about what I was doing, and that was long before the internet was around. Um, in the days when you actually had to go to the library and look in the uh, <laughs> the catalogs from the the universities, you know, to see if they even had a program. Um, But that's really uh, how it started. And then interestingly, once I was, I ended up uh, doing my undergrad at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And I would say that as each year progressed in the program, I became more and more passionate knowing this really was what I wanted to do all along. I was very fortunate. I think statistically, more people end up changing majors and transferring than not. Um, but in my case, I actually um, grew the passion over time and knew at the end that's what I wanted to do.
0: So it was so once you decided what you wanted to do, what what's the the next step? So you sort of discovered that you're going to be an architect, and and, um, and you went to architecture school and did that, and so you graduated where did where did you where was your first job and uh and what was that like
1: uh well my first professional experience was with a very uh long-term established small firm i think there were maybe 10 people um but had been in business for 50 60 years and it was very old school um in fact i remember getting memos on my desk saying uh you know, work starts at 7 a.m., and you're to be at your desk working at 7 a.m., and if you want coffee, you better get there 10 minutes early so you get your <laughs> coffee at your desk. And it was it was a very old-school kind of experience. Um, and that firm did primarily uh, government work, and uh, it, it honestly wasn't the most satisfying, um, but I stayed there close to a year and a half, and then moved on to... Um, a firm, another small firm, where I stayed for six years, and then went back to graduate school.
0: And where did you go for grad school?
1: I uh, went to UCLA. Spent, um, um, let's see, a few years there doing a master's. Uh, ended up um, returning to um, begin a doctoral program, um, and then was awarded a Fulbright scholarship to go study architecture in Italy. So that had a profound effect on things and certainly uh, changed the course of where I would go from there.
0: How long were you in Italy?
1: Spent a little over a year there uh, and then uh, came back and uh, sort of started my own firm, uh, was offered a teaching position and uh, ended up teaching for close to 18 years Uh, at both CIRC and USC School of Architecture.
0: And so you, you you, so you went to Italy, where, where in Italy did you focus? Where were you based? Uh,
1: I was based in Rome. Uh, but my research also involved some, um, some, uh, libraries in, uh, uh, Milan and London and uh, Berlin.
0: Yeah. I love Italy. I want to, want to go back. Anne Marie and I went to Italy for our honeymoon she actually had spent time in italy through school as well and uh and spent we spent a, she was in, based in rome and we spent an, an extra week in rome so i I, mean, I always i've already promised her that we're going back so i just don't know when but what a an amazing experience
1: yeah it's 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 a phenomenal city of of so many layers of so many cultures and and to just see them uh sort of uh unearthed depending on your interest from early Etruscans to modern modern day Romans there's there's such an amazing diversity of culture and architecture
0: so when you came back you you launched your firm right away
1: yeah well I had um, been doing some small work um, while I was a graduate student Uh, but when I when I came back and um, I went more full-time in practice and then teaching so I was splitting my time doing both
0: and what kind of work do you do
1: our work varies I would say it's uh, it's mostly on an infill urban infill scale Uh, I would say it runs around 60 70 percent residential in the balance uh, being either commercial work or consulting work Uh, lately we've been doing a lot of um, policy consulting in Los Angeles and that's been uh, an interesting new challenge to work closely with uh um, governmental uh, entities
0: so when you say policy consulting what does that mean that you're working for governmental entities helping them put together policy
1: yeah well specifically uh, los angeles like many um, growing urban areas has a huge housing need and they're looking for ways to be more innovative about Integrating density and and uh, sustainable practices, and a lot of our work has been about um, more compact residential subdivisions. How we're um, able to house more people uh, in closer proximity without giving up home ownership, which is still an aspiration for many. And so, a lot of our professional work has been doing creative infill projects, and so. Uh, we uh, responded to an RFP to write a new ordinance and design guidelines for a compact uh, home ordinance in the county of Los Angeles. So We're working on that right now.
0: Interesting. So that was an RFP. So so where did you find that RFP? How did you know that existed?
1: Uh, I think just through uh, word of mouth, a lot of um, uh, individuals had known that we had been doing um, these type of projects, I had been connected with many city planners throughout the Los Angeles area on a number of projects. And I think they tend to talk to one another. And I think uh, our firm was sort of identified as a good candidate. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, so what, what interested you in that type of work? Why, why pursue that? You know, why not stay focused on you know, designing the work that you're designing as a traditional architect uh and, and take that to the next level and go into you know working with government
1: well I think it uh it goes back to the Italian roots perhaps in a lot of my academic research I was always fascinated with Da Vinci and the whole Renaissance notion of uh of uh Uomo Universale, you know, universal thinker. And so uh you know I've always been fascinated about not only uh, making architecture but also the process by which it's made and how architects fit into that role and realizing more and more that um, what say control we have over the process, if anything has waned over the years, and part of that reason is that we're not at the table when especially things like housing policy is being made. and Unless we're at the table, that design input and that um, design thinking is, is not going to be part of making cities in the future. And I think it's really important for architects to step up, and this is just my way of um, you know, participating in that type of process.
0: You know the the value of architects and architecture is something that the community here at Entre Architect talk about all the time. It's it's something that people are frustrated with. People uh, want to 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 uh, have more respect in the in the profession uh, as small firms inside the profession, and then also architects in general in in the world at large. Um, getting involved, obviously, through policy and 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 having a seat at the table is one way uh of of showing that value to it it, it, forming the policy creating the policy uh and and informing the people that are making that policy from an architect's point of view if that policy is being made without an architect at the table then uh there's a good chance that it's not going to be the right policy for architects um so sitting at you know being being having a seat at that table is is so important um so i appreciate you doing that and and sort of bringing that uh to the podcast here today is—is is there, if somebody wanted to to get more involved like that, to 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 get more involved in uh, policy, and they may not, you know, have an RFP come across their desk? Do you have any suggestions on on what listeners here could do to get more involved to sort of uh, help sculpt the future of architecture?
1: Well, there absolutely there's so many ways I think to get involved. Um, Already many architects serve locally on boards, commissions, uh, design review uh, panels, what have you, and I think it's great that architects serve in that capacity, I think that's really important. Um, I know that the AIA has uh, a Center for Civic Leadership, uh, and stemming from that, a citizen architect uh, initiative, Uh, and they've been uh, looking for, uh, I think, those who want to get more involved, to help uh, mentor and, and uh, find places for those who really want to make a difference in their community, I found personally that, especially in smaller communities, that uh, you know, going directly to the electeds, the the politicians, uh, getting to know them, um, having coffee with your council member, is the most uh, rewarding way to um, get involved in your community and starting to understand at a deeper level how the policy is made in my experience um, many electeds are not experienced in land use and uh, the, the good ones really want to learn they want to better understand how the city that they're governing actually works from a land use standpoint and right now the majority of the input comes through Planning or community development lenses or private developers, and those are the ones that traditionally have the ears of the uh, local elected uh, officials and I've found remarkable um, interest amongst um, at least my my elected leaders in sitting down and in hearing about you know how cities can better be made, how design matters how how um, uh, the environment integrates into design, and they're very, very interested in that conversation and very open to, to meeting with their constituents who can, especially if there's no specific project and you're seen as a neutral um, yet caring individual about the community. Um, so I think just as simple as coffee with your elected, um, you'd be surprised how much um, influence you can, you can start to have.
0: It's, it's interesting that, you know, having so many conversations on this podcast, uh, about so many different topics, it's, it's fascinating to me that so often the answer is relationships is to, is to go out there and talk with somebody, you know, and, and build a relationship for no, you know, no other reason than to make that connection. So they know that you're available and that, you know, what their, their foundation is and where they're coming from. Uh, and so that's, that's great advice. I mean, essentially you're saying, become a valued, valued resource, right. To, to that, that policymaker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the term that I know the AI loves to, to use is the trusted advisor. Yeah. And I always want, you know, I always wondered what does that mean? What is the trusted advisor? But in many respects, you know, Small firm architects, especially, have an expertise because we have to do it all. We we don't have departments in our firms that do the permitting and departments that do the research and the uh, the entitlement work. And you know, the small firm architect has to know the process from A to Z. And because of that, we have a really unique value understanding both the opportunities and the challenges, and to be able to communicate how to make things better is the best way to become a trusted advisor because you're you're coming from uh, experience and from knowledge and i think you hit it on the head when you said that relationships uh are still you know a matter i think we uh we tend to get really caught up in the marketing um through the internet and the websites and the blogs and you know post this and post that and I think that's all valuable in and of itself but the day-to-day knowing the the leaders in your community the advocates in your community you know the business uh, uh, entities the Chamber of Commerce um, it's amazing the number of relationships that I've been able to build and my practice has thrived I think because of those direct relationships, not because of uh, the marketing that I've done.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, and it's free, you know, other than a cup of coffee and some time. Right. Right. And so, so, um, you know, you're not building a new website, you're not doing any sort of marketing. You're just going out there and meeting people. I mean, one strategy would be to just go through, go do a, a search for the leaders in your community, whether they're council people or they're, or they're the mayor or they're, Uh, uh, you know, uh, building inspectors, anybody who has sort of some sort of authority and has some sort of uh, influence in the way our built environment is created, make a list of all those people and then make a goal to meet with them once, you know, meet with one person once a month. If that's, you know, at a minimum, just, you know, set up a, a meeting, make a list and then set up a meeting to have a cup of coffee with one of those leaders every month. And then you start building this network of people who know you're available for, for, um, consulting. Uh, it could be just a quick question that they have to clarify something, or maybe it's a new project that comes along, or it's an RFP to help them guide the future of the codes or, and policy in, in your district. Um, and how easy is that? You know, create a list and have co- coffee once a month with an influential person.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think another um, iteration of that is, you get together with a couple of your colleagues who are also respected in your your area, um, and you almost—I I know I've sort of participated in what I call a kitchen cabinet with uh, an incoming mayor. At one point, the mayor had said, "You know, I'd really love to have a group of people that could advise me on uh, on especially land use matters," and so he formed, uh, you know, a, a group of individuals in a, in a kitchen cabinet form. And I think. If you don't feel comfortable as an individual um, as a collective, you can still have a profound influence in your community as a small firm architect.
0: yeah, that's some, some great advice. What are some other ways that we can uh, promote the value of of architecture and, and architects?
1: Well, let's think big for a second yeah and how how you know the, the value of of what we do is currently um, uh, how, how that value is currently put together. Um, you know, when I look at, uh, say, a residential context, uh, the value of, of homes, for example, are, uh, are indexed in a, in a multiple listing service, MLS, under bedrooms and bathrooms, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, comps are generated for sales prices um, in a complete artificial way uh, which which just still makes me scratch my head um, it has no room really for any sort of um, uh, uh, efficiency or building performance or excellence in design none of that is factored in it's merely numbers on a page square footage in bedrooms and bathrooms right and even in the commercial world it's uh, you know price per foot square footage um, maybe load factors of circulation, but again, it's just all numerical quantification. If we're ever gonna change the conversation about the value of architecture, we need to be able to communicate in a very clear way to the public why what we do matters. And towards that end, um, I've been working at the National Strategic Council level of the AIA to explore a means by which the AIA would create a value index for new construction that would start to communicate to the public some of the things that we do as architects that perhaps uh, others do not do because they don't have the training we do. And this index, um, and it's still in the, in the formative stages, but the index might have um, certain uh, measurables. So, for example, uh, it might have a score for uh, energy efficiency yeah. or water consumption or building performance, or material content, you know uh, uh, sustainably driven criteria. It might have a a resiliency factor, how well it might um, resist and be prepared for a natural disaster. Um, you know w- as architects, we could come together, And really try to measure the things that we do when we design that are valuable. And can you imagine, hypothetically, that this index um, is put onto every new, say, residential project? And let's say, you know, a new uh, well designed architect delivered uh, home gets, uh, let's say, an 88 on a scale of 100. And you compare it to the developer house that's been repeated, you know, thousands of times, and it gets a 28. And now the public starts to say, well, wait a minute, why does this one get 88 yeah. and that one only 28? And, then, and they start say, well, wait a minute, this is going to resist natural forces. It's going to lower my energy bills. It's conserving water. It's, you know, it's got recycled. It's got things that are valuable not only to me but to uh, the environment and that changes the conversation and so i think we've got to find a way to demonstrate to the public why what we do is valuable and i think it's got to be in a measurable way and i don't think it should be necessarily about character and aesthetics and that kind of thing i think that's a little bit of a slippery slope but i think it can be on on um, the value of design in terms of um, uh, you know, the, the overall, uh, performance of, yeah. of, a, of a building.
0: That's so that's the, something we're working on right now. That's a great idea. And, and, you know, could you imagine if, you know, Zillow and Trulia and all the online, you know, uh, real estate, uh, platforms that are basically taking over the MLS, if they adopt something like that. And now the, the pricing is, is based on this new, uh, pricing that's actually developed by architects. Um, and the, that you did that comparison between the developer house and the architect design house, which in the MLS, if it had the same number of bedrooms and the same number of bathrooms would be the same value. That's right. And you're showing with exactly. one index, the, which is more accurate and more, more, um, uh, specific, would be 80 and the other one would be 20. And it, it's like so far different. And then you could just look at those two houses and you can walk through them and you'll see the differences, but when you're purchasing them and when the real estate agent gives you the values of, of the comps, they're equal.
1: Exactly. And I think that's why uh, if we can find a way to communicate to the general public, how to look at a design, how to look at a say a house in a different way, um, you know and we we lead that conversation instead of having other disciplines like realtors um, ascribe value to what we do i think that's that's ultimately where we have to go because you know i've been at this for 30 plus years and i've been hearing for 30 plus years well we just have to communicate better what we do you know and and i'm I'm frankly very tired of hearing that comment because we can talk ourselves to death, but until we develop something that is tangible and, and um, accessible and understandable by the public, we just it doesn't matter. We can't talk about it anymore. We have to do it.
0: Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Fresh Books, BQE Software, and RCAT. 192 hours. That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you can save this year. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track time for your whole team by project and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, my favorite, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitectcom slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free and be sure to enter Entree Architect in that How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect Community is project management software. I hear it all the time. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? This podcast is sponsored by AIA Advantage Partners BQE Software. They are the makers of ArchiOffice. ArchiOffice is the only time tracking, billing, and project management software made by architects for architects. It empowers you to easily and quickly understand everything about your projects, your staff, and finances, all in one place, wherever you are. And listeners here at Entree Architect Podcast can get a free 15-day trial of ArchiOffice at entrearchitect.com slash bqe that's entrearchitect.com slash bqe if you've been listening to this podcast anytime during the last few months you've heard me talking about our and hopefully you're already using their free resources on a regular basis but for those of you who have maybe not checked them out yet our a great tool for small firm architects like you RCAT has huge libraries of free content, CAD, BIM, specifications, and more. And they've done all the work for you. You need a spec? Click on over and download the CSI three-part specification in multiple formats, all for free. How about a CAD detail or BIM objects? All free at the click of a mouse. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use and it's all completely free. And you don't have to register to download any of it. And they've recently launched something new that I want you to go check out. It's called Charette. Create a project, assign tasks, share and collaborate with colleagues and clients in real time. Pull content from the RCAT database, all that free stuff I'm talking about, you can pull it there and throw it into Charette. Anywhere on the web, found something out on the web, Pull it in, put it into Charette. It all keeps it organized in one place and you can collaborate with your clients and your colleagues. And this is free too. So visit them at entrearchitect.com RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com RCAT and click on the Charette icon right there on the homepage to learn more. FreshBooks, BQE Software and RCAT please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you the Andre Architect community are there so so potentially listeners could go they can volunteer at the AIA national level they can volunteer or start something locally in their own AIA chapters is there is there anything else that if they if they weren't going to get involved with the AIA was is there anything else that they could do um, to sort of do something similar or, or create, show some value other than, you know, educating the, you know, the world on the value of architects. Um, you have to demonstrate that is what you're saying. So how do we demonstrate that, uh, at a more local level?
1: Well, I think the key for this idea to work is it has to be flexible. It has to be scalable to local conditions. I think one of the frustrations that many have with, uh, Lead in some of the green building programs is that it's sort of a one-size-fits-all, and then you know they do try to allow for some localization. Um, but you know, in, in Southern California where I'm based, we have a huge water water issue, so water conservation and water uh, efficiency is primary. Um, but in the Great Lakes region, uh, that may not be an issue, right? And so, when we talk about the value of, of design, um, the parameters and the criteria and the, the most important factors would, uh, would need to change a little bit. So, I think where we would love to get this idea going is to get uh, some local leaders to kind of help define what are those key measurables in their local area to communicate the value to the public
0: is there a place where somebody in the great lakes region could reach out to you and uh, or or to the aia or to the committee how do they how do they do that how do they take that next step
1: well we have a uh, we have a structure in place where there's a working group uh i happen to be the uh co-convener of this particular working group so i would encourage anybody who's interested in this idea to just contact me Okay. And uh, we, we would love to build a national network of local architects who feel passionate about making this happen and really creating a, a value proposition in their, in their town or city.
0: And, and that sounds like what you're asking for is just somebody's ideas and opinions. It's not like this huge time commitment where, where they would have to spend a bunch of time. Is that right?
1: Right. I don't think it'd be a huge time commitment. It would be really looking at how to localize the measurables. What, yeah. what, um, what's most important in design in their community, where the architect would bring the value and in, in defining it.
0: That's a great idea to, to, I mean, the, the big idea is a great idea too, but then getting this, this, uh, national network of local architects. So we have, you know, data and information and, and, and opinions and, and, uh, ideas coming from every corner of the nation, such a great idea. Well,
1: I think it's something that has, um, potential and, and if, uh, if this can come to fruition, I think it would change the conversation of architects in society and our value. I really think it has that potential.
0: You said it's very early in the, in the formation of a how, how early is it? Is it just basically conceptual at this point?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're, we're maybe a year into uh, the ideation process, we're looking at um, the types of measurables that uh, we could start looking at. Uh, how to um, create an index and partner with other entities, because I think it's going to take um, perhaps uh, key uh, alliances and, and, and relationships. You know, as an example, in, in Southern California, we have a uh entity called the arid institute and they're studying water water usage in uh, the southern california region And so when we look at um, measurables for water consumption they're going to be a terrific partner uh, and a strategic partner in in this index
0: so once this happens and do you have a timeline when when do you think this might actually what's what's the goal on how to how to get it done
1: I think we're looking to present the idea to the board um, in the latter part of this year, and then see if there's enough um, uh, interest and momentum and support to develop it. And then I would imagine it would take another year or so to actually develop something that could be uh, launched, uh, you know, in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, because then you have to once you develop it and it's actually happening there's a whole nother layer of, of distributing it and getting it adopted by the people and the organizations that, that have the influence on the people who are looking for it.
1: Absolutely. And I think, I think it just starts one by one. If if, if each architect is able to uh, develop a score for, for their new work and it starts to be, um, commonplace where, you know, even the uh National Associ- Association of Realtors, um, I think they could be a great strategic partner in this. I don't think it needs to be seen as a threat to what they do. And in many respects I think it would help them yeah. uh to have more uh content when they're trying to sell a home as to why um why there's certain things that you don't always look for there. So I think uh, it could be a, a real positive um, if it's uh, you know developed in a in a in a positive way,
0: yeah, it would be such a great tool for architects too. To you know, they design a new house, and they do the calculation, and they actually not only submit the design and and, and the program, but they actually des- submit the value based on this calculator on what this house would be worth.
1: Wouldn't that be great if
0: we could yeah. actually do that? Wouldn't that, that would be awesome? Tremendous. Yeah. yeah, you could literally show them the value of an architect.
1: Yeah, and I think the public would appreciate it because, you know, um, virtually everybody you run run into, you know, initially appreciates architecture and they, they really uh, want to engage at a little bit deeper level because they don't quite know why they why, like certain things and to help them understand, you know, uh, volume and light and, and ventilation and materials and other things, um, it, it just gives them uh, a, a way to connect with the work uh, a little bit more deeply
0: yeah well we need to get this thing done <laughs> so anything that we can do at the Entree architect community let me know we'll definitely help you promote it we'll definitely get some people uh on your on your committee from a national point of view um what's your your email address so if anybody's interested and i hope there are lots of people listening who want to reach out to you and and uh, establish this national network so this thing can actually happen what's what's the best way for them to connect with you
1: it's info info at workplays.com so it's the word work and the word play p-l-a-y and the letter s as in sam dot com
0: okay so you're out there you're listening right now you're excited about this idea this is an idea that really could change uh, the profession this really could be the answer to uh, to sort of, you know, the first step in getting some very tangible movement and progress in communicating the value of an architect. When somebody plugs in um, the parameters of their home and out pops a number and they compare it to a number that's, that's you know, of a building that's not designed by an architect and that number is much lower, there's no better way to communicate the value of what we do.
1: Uh, yeah, I would agree, I think, uh... You know, there's going to be a vetting process. We're going to want to look at, you know, the downside as well as the upside. Uh, certainly a lot of um, uh, thinking will still have to go into developing it. But sure. I, I think if we can pull it off, it would be, would be really remarkable.
0: Well, Rick, let me know how I can help because I, I definitely will help you with, uh, with my community, my network, uh, and, uh, and get people interested and help you, help you make this thing a reality.
1: Yeah, much appreciated.
0: Uh, so anything, before we wrap up, anything else you want to talk about? Because I think, I mean, this is really something that uh, I, I want people to pay attention to, but is there anything else on your, your plate that you want to uh, talk to the community about?
1: Well, one of the other things that I'm working on uh, in my spare time, <laughs> I certainly wear far too many hats these days, <laughs> um, but but another thing that I'm, I'm very passionate about is um, uh, going back to the sort of influence of architects in society and um, one of the other working groups that uh, I'm leading at, at the national level is what we're calling a uh, local city architect movement and what's what's really interesting is that in the formation of most American towns and cities there was a city architect the the architect was front and center with the the planning and the um, uh, Or the understanding of um, how uh, a town or community would would grow. And architects were intimately involved. In recent times, one of my colleagues actually did a, a bit of research and found that of the top 100 most populated cities in America, only 18 of the 100 have any sort of architectural presence. And of those, only a handful, less than five, actually have what we would think of as a city architect, someone you know, who's more of a, a visionary and a leader. Uh, many of those currently uh, who are architects are serving in departments of engineering or public works and doing great work on capital improvements and, and um, city buildings in some cases, but the, understanding of the city architect as the sort of visionary for a community and uh, someone who can kind of embrace the aspirations and goals uh, of the community and the uh, sustainable environmental uh, interests and the uh, sort of uh, cultural or social issues related to preservation or conservation, um, that presence really is no longer there. And so um, another thing that we're looking at is how to reinsert the city architect and the design thinker into local government. And I think it's it's very, very important, um, and I'm sure many in your community um, see on a daily, daily basis that the majority of those involved in land use are on the policy side. Right. And on the policy side, you tend to get what I refer to as more left brain thinkers, you know, those who are are more uh, linear and analytical and look at what other communities have done and, you know, what other uh, zoning code policies have been implemented. And, um, and so new policy is often developed in a very um, analytical and linear way. And what's really missing is the right brain, the, the creative uh thinking, the innovation, the what's missing, the gaps that need to be filled in, uh, you know, how can a city uh better grow if only uh we thought bigger, you know? And I think that that right brain um side of things that a that a city architect could bring would be invaluable and uh again really change the status and the standing and the value of architects in society. So that's something we're working on as well.
0: I I think that's a great idea too. I think that though will will actually come back to the other idea as well. I think yeah I think the other idea will succeed because it'll come down to numbers. It'll come down to some very clearly perceived value uh, of that of that calculator. Um, A city architect which would be very valuable would definitely be financially valuable to the city to have somebody on board who's looking out for the, for the vision and the, and the overall development and the aesthetics and the, um, which all add value to, to the, the city and adds, which then comes back and adds, increases, you know, the, the tax roll and it it benefits the society by us being there. Um, but in order for my, my guess, as you're describing this idea of a, of a city architect, a local city architect that, if, if when they did exist, they probably disappeared because of budget cuts that, you know, they were one of the first, first to go, right. When they go down the list of who can we cut, well we're just going to cut the visionary guy and we'll, we'll, we'll kick, we'll keep the guy who's the developer who's, you know, you know, kicking back a whole bunch of money to the city. Um, So I think that too, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to show the value in financial terms uh, to the city of having that Uh, City architect. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh Absolutely, and I think you're right. I think that's in part why the city architects waned Um, That was certainly one reason I think another reason is not enough uh, young architects thought of serving in government Mm -hmm. it wasn't an aspiration and so um, It's it's not as easy a position to fill Um, But I know in my community um, The the budget uh, question is is almost laughable because of the number of um, number of issues that have arisen because of that lack of expertise mm-hmm. you know they 've spent they 've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars unnecessarily because that input was not at the table and so uh, uh, you know i'm i 'm absolutely convinced that um, the value of having um, the voice of an architect and design thinker, uh, within the, the land use and development structure of cities, um, way more than pay for the cost of that individual or individuals. But we do have to be able to communicate
0: that. Right. Absolutely. I think that's the key. Um,
1: And where, and where I'm seeing it, I'm not sure in, in, uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, if you're seeing this, but certainly in California we are getting, Uh, design guidelines adopted and spreading um, frankly like a virus (laughs) and um, every community now is interested in looking at how design can be guided and the diversity of how different communities look at this is really remarkable some some look at it as a way to help um, so that you don't have to hire an architect right? That if, if you just have a uh, draft person or a developer just follow their design guidelines, yeah, they can get through the process and have a decent project because it's, you know, most of the guidelines are at the lowest common denominator. What would be just, you know, adequate enough. And then other communities, um, are looking at design guidelines as a, uh, design excellence aspiration and they're trying to define what is excellent. And, um, I've seen some successful ones and some very unsuccessful ones. Um, and in the third case, a lot of them are being uh, developed so that planning departments can check architects. And so the guidelines are set up so that checklists can be developed, and that would enable those who are not designers to check designers. <laughs> and and uh, it's becoming a real um, challenge uh, and we're having some real struggles in Southern California where you know we're sitting across the table with someone who has never designed a building and they're telling us how we have to do things and you know they may not know the energy codes or the disability codes or the green building codes um, and they come at it purely from a uh, aesthetic standpoint Uh, and uh, it's creating a lot of conflicts and uh i don't know if you're seeing that in in new york as much but certainly uh it's happening in california
0: yeah it's happening all throughout the nation not so much here in my specific region um, but i i hear it happening everywhere um and and good and bad because some guidelines design guidelines are are great and some are are horrible um when you when you sort of take the architectural review board which every town in my region has an architectural review board mostly uh you know uh, the the seats on that board are non-architects and every design we present has to be presented to this you know non-designed educated um, board infuriates me every time i do it which is why i tend to not do it because it's hard for me to bite my tongue um and so anne-marie does them and she's very good at them uh but uh You know it's sort of i don't want to get off track on that but the 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 idea of the guidelines if they're coming and they are coming and we can we can position the the city architect as the leader of those guidelines that if that if we in the idea of the um the city architect is the idea of you know this idea of guidelines that's already has momentum that we sort of adopt that idea, we create our own basic format, our own basic structure for design guidelines that includes being led by a city architect uh, that sort of administrates the the guidelines. That might be a way for for both the city architect to be established in cities and sort of have influence on the way design guidelines are created.
1: Precisely, that's really the intent that if a community cares enough about design and the environment and uh, sustainable growth patterns and all these things that um, are, are quite valuable, uh, then it really should be led by those who are not only versed in it, but legally responsible for it. Um, and and I think the city architect concept um, is, Precisely the way to go that that design guidelines if well written um, and more performance based and outcome based um, it's not so much telling an architect you know your balcony has to be this size or your right. your you know your your guardrail has to have a certain permeability or what have you um, but if if it can talk about uh, more performance based um, aspirations and then be uh, reviewed by someone who, who understands that, and you have architects speaking to architect or architects speaking to non-architect at least, um, I think the quality of the design in communities will be elevated much better. And working in conjunction, say, with planners on the um, you know larger scale policy side of the goals of the community, but but on the design side, it really should be led by architects.
0: Yeah, and and if we're also creating the the template, basically the structure for the guidelines, then we control how they're formatted. We can control, or at least suggest, um, that that architects are involved in every project. That you know that design guidelines aren't necessarily intended to be you know prescriptive design solutions for architecture. That they're just a way to establish some continuity or 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 some whatever your goal is in the in the in the guideline process. We can actually highly suggest or require that every project have an architect on board that so architects are speaking with an architect um, and so the value of the guidelines is actually contingent on the fact that it's being managed by an architect.
1: agreed and and I think the the only way for it to work though would be to get enough really good quality individuals who would want to serve you know, on the, on the municipal side, because, um, if, if as an architectural community, we don't have enough people that are willing to do that, then it wouldn't work anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, I think there is, I mean, another thing I've learned, you know, in this community of architects that we have, that there are so many different ways to practice architecture and to be an architect that just because we're architects doesn't mean that we have to be sitting behind a drafting board or a computer screen designing buildings that, and that many of us in the profession have the strengths of being a leader and being and that position would be perfect for them. And they can still influence architecture. They can still be part of the profession uh, and, and be a significant part of our profession by, by being on the other side of the table.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think, something that, again, going back earlier to your questions about value, um, I think at the local level, um, to start advocating with the local electeds um, to consider you know forming some sort of structure within their their uh, governance model that would include an architect in some way. And in larger communities, you could even have an office of the city architect. Um, and in smaller communities, it could even be, uh, you know, a consulting architect or something. But uh, I, I think there's there's going to have to be a significant advocacy effort at the local level across the country to really make something like this work.
0: Yeah. I mean, most towns and cities in my region have uh, town engineers and town attorneys. They're already there because they see a value yeah. in having them there. Uh, I think that if if, and this, this discussion uh, of, of design guidelines is coming, um, you know, having the city architect will make sense, you know, as we proceed in, in something like that, uh, as long as we, you know, are in control of it. Again, we, we need to take the step, the step of actually taking, because somebody else is going to, that if we don't, there will be a void and it will either be the developers stepping into that role or the real estate uh, community will step into that role or, you know, another policymaker will just step into that role and it'll become whatever they want it to become, whatever will benefit them. Um, and so, you know, architects not only want to benefit our profession, but architects truly have the best, uh, of heart to our cities and our, and our towns and, and the built environment. We are passionate about, uh, creating design and creating, uh, wonderful places to live our lives. And so, uh, it needs to be us. Agreed. (laughs) Um, so obviously we're going to, we're going to post your email. So we'll get people there. Um, obviously the, 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 next step for people, if they want to, uh, make a difference and start doing this is that idea of, of reaching out to your community leaders and making a connection with those people, building some relationships, because then once you have those relationships built, whether it's you one-on-one or you with a a group of your, of your colleagues, um, when these ideas are more fully developed, you will be there. You know, you can, you can be the ones that sort of become the conduit to your community leaders and say, Hey, look at this you know, valuation calculator or this guideline that we've we've established. Look at this idea of a city architect and these design guidelines that you're talking about already. Um, So get out there and talk to your community leaders, build those relationships, reach out to Rick uh, and let him know that you're interested in helping in, in a way to make this thing happen. You know, these ideas are great ideas. You know, I hear this idea constantly, every day I hear this. You go to the entree Architect community on Facebook and every day somebody is talking about or, or ranting about um, the fact that we don't have value, that there's no value to an architect in our society. These are two amazing ideas that if they become reality uh, could, could add lots of value to the profession. So reach out to Rick, go do your own part on your end um, and make these things happen. So Rick, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge here today. Again, some, some great ideas. Every time I talk to you, I get all enthusiastic and pumped up because you have such great ideas and I love the fact that you're out there doing it, that you're not just talking about it and complaining. You're actually going out there and you don't do any of that. you don't complain at all, you just go out and make a difference. So I appreciate you for going out and making a difference and for joining me here today at Entre Architect Podcast.
1: Well, thanks Mark for everything you do and, uh, spreading the word to your community I'm I'm a big advocate of the small firm architect and I I really want to see as a a larger community um, the small firms really thrive and through these kind of networking and relationship building I think this is how it's gonna happen so thanks for everything you do
0: yeah you're welcome Um so we'll go check out the show notes, entrearchitect.com slash episode 180. This is the 180th episode of Entre Architect podcast. Um, again, Rick, thanks for being here. If you liked what Rick and I shared here today, I ask you to share it with a friend. Pick one friend that you think might benefit from this. This is a powerful episode. Rick shared some major value here today. Uh, the work that Rick is doing is is uh i I appreciate what he's doing for the profession uh and the information that he shared here today was so so powerful it can change the way we do things here so share this one this is entrearchitect.com episode 180 this is the 180th episode uh complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode can also be found at that link entrearchitect.com episode 180 so go go share that with a friend go put it on facebook put it on twitter uh, link it up on Instagram, share it, get it to somebody, email it today. Hey, and don't forget, if you are an entrepreneur architect based in Europe, in the Middle East, or in Africa, that's that time zone right there by the Europe, visit entrearchitect.com EMEA. We have a powerful Entree Architect Academy small group mastermind discussion group for you, the EMEA Architects we are international baby entrearchitect.com emea for more information go now sign up seats are super limited there's only 10 members in this group every Entree architect mastermind is limited to 10 members plus a facilitator so it may already be sold out and closed but go check it out entrearchitect.com emea for more information and my name is mark Arla and i am an entrepreneur architect And I encourage you to go build a better business, focus on building a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening, have a great week.